When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. There is no such thing as an unlucky 13. I'm just telling you, we are in week 13 of the National Football League, and we hope to bring you the best of luck as you head into your fantasy postseason. And if your season is long gone, you can always rely on the daily fantasy leagues where we've got you covered there. Welcome in. It is Fox Football Fantasy And we are going to be looking at not only what happens in Week 13 in the National Football League, but also what is going to happen in a few hours when the college football playoff bracket will be released. Welcome in, everybody, as we come to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. And the reason I say we is because this isn't a one-man effort. Sam Kinsley is our technical producer. Robert Dosmati is our executive producer. And Isaac Lohenkron will give us... The latest, but the guy who's been giving us the information all season long and doing so at an alarming successful rate is back again. It is December, it's early December, but he is in the gift giving mood to give you winners for fantasy success. It's a present that you don't even have to unwrap, all you have to do is just sit back and listen to the master do his work. He is the one, he is the only, he is our fantasy genius. 
He is Michael Harmon. Wow. That is the hype man move of all time. You know what? For for the holiday season, that's all I need right there. Just put that on a loop. Sam, just burn a disc of that, and we'll move from there. The swelling of the music. Week 13 of the National Football League underway, at least for a moment. The Cowboys look like they've rediscovered some magic, or maybe the Redskins stink. I'm not quite sure. But today we have a full slate of games. We get Jimmy Garoppolo. We get a lot of... We get Geno Smith for a full game. Yay! Yay! And we get the college football playoff rankings, which I know you are a very... Uh, interested observer later on this morning. Yes, it is going to be an interesting morning to say the least with what we've got in college football. And this debate began as soon as Ohio State defeated Wisconsin last night of what should the fourth school be in the college football playoff that will be announced noon Eastern time is when the program starts of revealing the bracket. But if, if, if ESPN is smart like any other network would, it would just draw it out just a little bit. The selection show that you get in college hoops the two-year was a fiasco one of the great things is you you kind of get right into it but it lasts about 20 minutes because you've got to get 68 schools right. into a bracket when you've only got four you don't want to just burst in right away i would i would expect that maybe 15 to 20 minutes in that we see something of, of what this bracket is going to be could be sooner than that but they're expected to announce it at noon eastern time but one, two, and three, probably what we expect, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Georgia, in whatever order that could be. And then there's number four, either Alabama or Ohio State. The debate started right when the Buckeyes ended Wisconsin's hope of going to the playoffs, and now it's just been a back and forth between the Crimson Tide and Buckeyes. Since we're both uh, Big Ten alums, mm-hmm. uh, we have to just say Ohio State has to get in. Right? <laughs> Isn't that the way things have to work in the media that, world right I, now? I, I will say- Who do you work for? <laughs> Last night, Matt Leiner, Dave Watson, and Robert Smith after the Big Ten title game. I think all had Ohio State in the Final Four. You flip over to ESPN, who has it puts on the SEC Network, right? And you see, you see the likes of Reese Davis and Booker McFarland and and Jonathan Vilma all saying Alabama should be in. So you've got this. You got this split between these networks of saying who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it. Can we just but go Jets and Sharks, Dan, yeah, and, and, and is, just rumble? It is an amazing back and forth between the two. I do think that ultimately you will see Alabama get into the Final Four. I just have, I just have that feeling, and I think that the loss of Ohio State to Iowa is one that uh, fair or unfair is going to be held against them. But the point that I make, Mike Harmon, is why I think Alabama is going to win. I think you are going to see less outcry and less backlash towards the committee if you put Alabama in as opposed to putting Ohio State in. That well, number one be, all year yeah. and then lose to a, a top top 10 team, right? Yep. So you've got the quality of opposition, and it's it comes down to the which do you value more? Was the loss a good loss, that, that old argument, versus who have you beaten? Because we're going to play that game then Ohio State has the better resume Mm -hmm. from that angle, even though there is a second loss and everybody pointing to the Iowa game that they didn't watch uh, and that they're going to bang the drum on repeatedly because they can read a box score and see a final score flashing ahead of them. Oh, they lost by 31! And that's been the speaking point. That's it. There's no nuance, no discussion of how that game turned and how those points came to be, but let's just trumpet that as the 
single point to your argument. You might as well start telling, selling T-shirts with it at this point. Yeah, I think a lot of people put off Ohio State or, or counted them out at that time when they lost to Iowa, saying a two-loss team and now you lose by 30 points. They aren't as great of a team as many thought. I would also say that group of people likely didn't watch Ohio State play until last night from that point. Sure. I, I honestly feel that way, that the attention wasn't on them, so there's a lot of attention going back to Iowa the Iowa game for Ohio State. You match up the wins, you can go here or there. Remember, the SEC only plays eight conference games. The matchup against Mercer is not an FBS football program, so you've got that going up against Alabama. The issue that I see, Mike, is when we get to the nitpicking of these programs and what did this game do and what did that game do. Florida State, if they have DeAndre Francois for the season and is not hurting that Alabama game, I think fares a lot better so I don't like the fact that that is held against Alabama in the sense of, I just remember watching the game, and I know it wasn't pretty, but it was two really high-level teams playing right. at each other for at least a, a good half of football. And I know the, the, the defenses were flying around, and I hate that we forget all of what happens at that point, or maybe we forget how this played out early on in the season. I, I love the back and forth. I just think at the end of it, the committee's going to say, what you said. We had Alabama near the top of the rankings really from the get-go. They lost once on the road. There's going to be less of a backlash, and I think you're going to see Alabama taking on Clemson in the Sugar Bowl on January 1st. I think I, I have to agree with you 100%. Uh, will, do I want to see chaos? Hell yeah, I want to see chaos. We're not going to mm-hmm. see it. <laughs> Let's get to Week 13 of the National Football League. Let's get to your hot plays and cold sores. Of Week 13, the Hot Plays, guys, you got to get in your lineup as we've got 15 games in front of us on this Sunday and then also wrapping up tomorrow. How about we get start off with Jared Cook? Why? Last man standing. Crabtree suspended for being a dope in the great chain-snatching events of last week against Aqib Tlaib. Only one game suspension, though, because they were, quote, going to teach them a lesson by putting it at two and then reducing it, as they always do. <laughs> the hell? Do we need to wait till round three to do something seriously? Uh, anyway, Jared Cook, nine fantasy points per game over the last four allowed by the Giants defense to opposing tight ends. Cook during that time, 35 targets from Derek Carr in a season that's gone sideways for Carr and all those MVP aspirations. But we'll get to him uh, in a minute. Hunter Henry who finally found the end zone. First time since October 8th. Last week with the 76 yards and a touchdown on Thanksgiving Day against Dallas. They're playing the Browns. They're playing. The, I, I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, as much as people want to say, hey, it's a letdown situation, they're a two-touchdown favorite. Did, did you hear the rumor that they actually may be changing their name from the Cleveland Browns to the just winless Browns? Like they're going to take Cleveland out and just put winless because winless. We've, said it, we've said it so much. You want to talk about a sociological <laughs> experiment. You have a child, name them winless. <laughs> See how he fares in life. Jamal Jamal Williams going up against Tampa Bay. Montgomery to the IR. You got three straight games of at least 21 touches for Williams. Was dominant in that game against Pittsburgh. And the thing you have to like is he's been really active in the passing game for Brent Hudley uh, as well. Tampa Bay, 12th most fantasy points per game over the last four. And speaking of Hundley, how about him? After that chunk yardage game against Pittsburgh, 245-3 and three on the board. You look at Tampa. 
10th best against opposing QBs over the last four weeks, but he's got something brewing with Adams, and like I say, if you keep dumping it to Williams out of the backfield, good things are happening. D.D. Westbrook, 16 targets over the last two weeks, only nine catches for 76 yards, but smacks of an opportunity here against the Indianapolis secondary uh, as we get this thing rolling. Not expected to see a huge points barrage, or at least not what we're anticipating out of the Vegas world with an over-under set at only but we'll look for more targets out of him uh, as well. Robbie Anderson, five straight games with a touchdown, six touchdowns overall during that period, 85 or more yards in three of those games. He's going to run past Darrell Rivas and say, hey, we're paying you. Stand there. Uh, (laughs) 33 targets during the period. You also play Josh McCown uh, against the Chiefs along the way. How about Ricky Seals-Jones? Oh, yes. How about that? Against Jacksonville and Houston, seven catches over 114 yards, three touchdowns during that period. Again, Arizona, not a lot going on uh, beyond Larry Fitzgerald. You've got Adrian Peterson going to miss this game with a neck injury. Figure L.A. all over Gabbert, which means just get rid of the ball fast. So Seals-Jones with another opportunity. Kenyon Drake against Denver. Damian Williams injured. Denver's second most fantasy points allowed to running backs over the last four weeks. Almost 28.5 per game. Two of their big linemen, Pecco and Wolf, are out for this one. Before we get to the mystery man clue, we want to get to the cold source of Week 13. Guys, you want to stay away from, you don't want to touch, don't want to see, don't want to look at in your lineup this week. Matthew Stafford, one of 11 starters against Baltimore, have finished in the upper half of starters. That's top 16. Wow. And over the last four weeks, given up only 7.6 fantasy points per game. We talked about Derek Carr uh, over the last four weeks. New York, eighth fantasy points over the last four weeks. Eight touchdowns, four interceptions. You got your two top receivers out. Carr, 14th or worse, seven of his last eight. How about Drew Brees? Looking at only two multi-touchdown games in his last six starts. Mm. The yardage has been there. But the red zone, going to Ingram and going to Kamara. Ben Roethlisberger against Cincinnati in long history, even though he's the fourth best quarterback over the last four weeks, 10 touchdowns against three picks. You look at his career against Cincinnati, middling, 236, 1.3 touchdowns and a pick per game. Not overly exciting. There's where Cincinnati uh, at home rises up a bit. Golden Tate, back-to-back tough sledding against Chicago and Minnesota slot runners. Uh, having some issues against Baltimore. So in that game, not looking at the him as well. Seven catches, 12 targets, 39 yards the last two weeks. The obligatory nod to Jordy Nelson and his continuing futility. Six straight weeks without a touchdown. Matt Ryan going against Minnesota. Only two of 11 quarterbacks finishing as a QB1. That's top 12. Ryan, top 15, four of his last five. But a tough road here. Uh, Devontae Freeman against Minnesota, giving up only... 3.4 yards per carry. I'm still expecting a lot of Coleman out of the backfield there. And Jay Ajayi, unless you're looking for that big hit, too many cooks in the proverbial kitchen to get it done there. I released Jay Ajayi in my league this week. I didn't want that headache anymore. Finally decided that you're done with him, huh? <laughs> I finally decided uh, this is it. Not if this is it from Huey Lewis. If this if is it! The the question was answered. It is it. Let's get to I the mystery man clue of week 13. Don't worry. There's going to be more of that during the show. You have, you have nothing to fear. Mystery man clue, a guy that you should play in your lineup this week, but we're not going to reveal to you right away. It's up to you to try to guess it. Who's What's the mystery man clue number one? 
final year of his collegiate career, scored 20 touchdowns. All right, scored 20 touchdowns in his final year of his collegiate career. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Football Fantasy. You can always listen to us on the iHeartRadio app and on Sirius XM Channel 83. And you can also find the show on iTunes. Yeah, just subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends. Download the show every single week. It's as easy as that. So maybe you're an hour late or you sleep in and you miss some of the hot plays or cold sores that Mike Harmon has. Go right to the iTunes page and you can hear what's happening in Week 13. He is Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. Get us up on Twitter. Get Mike at Swollen Dome. I'm at Dan Bayer on Fox. And one NFC playoff team today goes into their huge showdown severely shorthanded. We tell you who that is next here on Fox Football Fantasy. Fox Football Fantasy. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Bayer. I'm trying to win Mike a bear at the fair, just like uh, Huey Lewis. <laughs> Remember that? He tries to buy her stuffed animal, and then she's got this new huge one, and so he just throws his away. Ah, uh, yes, Huey Lewis in the news. The comedic stylings of Huey Lewis. <laughs> An underrated actor, by the way. I'll, I will say this. There are a lot of fantasy football teams right now heading into Week 13 that are saying, if this is it, just let me know so I can get on with my life and get on with the holiday season. Because holiday. There are the, 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 the reason that when you're sitting there, what, 5-7, and seven, okay, <laughs> have an outside chance at maybe get, getting in, when you've got, I don't know, some holiday shopping to do, maybe some decorations to put up, you don't want to sit there and watch your fantasy team have an outside chance and need four other teams in the league to to lose this week or even next week. You can move on, get all your holiday stuff done with, and focus. But hey, for for the fact of the matter is, if you want to try to salvage the season, you got to listen today because we've got some great news and there's some great matchups in the National Football League this week: Vikings and Falcons, Eagles and Seahawks. The one we're going to start off with is the divisional showdown in New Orleans with the Panthers taking on the Saints today. And the Carolina Panthers right now sitting in a good spot if the playoffs were to start there, 8-3, and three, they'd get a top wild card. But this could really shake up the NFC South. But Carolina comes in shorthanded, Mike, without Greg Olson. has got that foot issue. Christian McCaffrey is going to give it a go today with a shoulder injury. But Carolina is going to be limited against the Saints team that you have to feel is is ready for the showdown after coming off of a loss last week to the Rams. Lattimore going to try to give it a go for the Saints. He was missing last week. Uh, Williams still out. So, you know, you neutralize things a, a little bit there. But the the key here for Carolina is trying to find – somebody else beyond Cam Newton to really run the ball. I mean, McCaffrey has been good as a receiver out of the backfield. Stewart's had one or two good games over the course of the year, but hasn't been consistent. So it's been the legs of Cam Newton. And as we know, that usually ends in disaster. Not on a week-to-week, you just roll with it, saying, hey, he's my guy. But on the whole, it's you know he's, he's currently 22 yards shy of where Jonathan Stewart is. For leading the team in rushing yardage. And remember, for part of the season, he wasn't really running the ball at all. But now they go back and go figure they're having success. Um, So you're looking at Funchess with his 50 receptions, the lead. Ed Dixon's going to have to take on a much bigger role once again with Olsen out. Uh, But curious to see how much he's got to stay in and block against the New Orleans front. I don't believe in the Panthers just yet. 
I believe hard, that Luke Keekley is there and he's healthy, and the same thing with Thomas Davis. I believe that that defense can make plays and get stops. I just I am not a believer as of yet for what you talk about with that running game. Christian McCaffrey has been used as a, a – essentially his running plays are just four- and five-yard catches out of the backfield, right. which is great if you if you could do that on a consistent basis, but he isn't getting the getting handoffs from Cam Newton 10 to 15 times a game. The other question with McCaffrey is, is if you're not in the red zone, his value is very limited because there hasn't been the big play from him this sure. season. It, it Something that we thought maybe could be a possibility when he take, took it to the next level, that hasn't been the case this year. Yeah, it's been a difficult sledding for them overall. For Cam Newton, still remains a, a mid-number one play, particularly because he's using his legs. So we get that. You know, We had Drew Brees and the cold sores on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Just the yardage is there, but the touchdown dominance of all those years in the past is gone and this will be an interesting matchup it's in new orleans but we're going to see exactly whether this carolina front can slow down what has been just a juggernaut on the ground with ingram and camara and those two i think are must starts every single week now and ingram fans shouldn't be concerned just because camara had the couple of touchdowns last week it's the game that they they ended up playing in and plus when you're down camara's not that they don't use Ingram, because they do a lot in, in passing situations, but in what you had last week, I think they just went with Camara more even down the stretch to get that second touchdown. I mentioned Vikings and Falcons today. I'm not even still sold on the Atlanta Falcons as a team now at 7-4, and four, despite the success that they've had with wins over the Seahawks, with wins over the Dallas Cowboys. I still wonder about Atlanta. But last week, they put a lot of the questions to rest on Julio Jones. So I, I wondered. I even brought up the question a week ago. Are Julio Jones' best fantasy days behind him? And then he goes out and catches a couple of touchdowns and 250-some yards. So Julio Jones is still there, but I'm still just wondering about a Falcons team that did have some difficulty putting away Tampa Bay last week, and now you got the Vikings coming to town off of their win on Thanksgiving against the Lions. Well, but now it becomes interesting because you have Xavier Rhodes, right? A lot of chatter back and forth. Seeing him on Julio Jones will be a fun matchup. So Muhammad Sanu, our guy, not only does he catch touchdown passes, he throws them <laughs> along the way. Uh, that we're going to be seeing seeing more of him once again, and you're going to have to go to those secondary tertiary receivers. Tough sledding from Matt Ryan because Minnesota has been fantastic defensively, quietly. Right? There's been a lot made about the Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater. What should happen there? Case Keenum's gotten the job done certainly for fantasy owners that have trusted him the last month he's been a quarterback one week in Mm -hmm. week out but you're looking at defensively you know for minnesota slowing down the run game so Devontae freeman tough coming off the concussion you're going to see a lot of tevin coleman so i can't trust freeman any better than a back end number two but the passing game downfield matt ryan hasn't lit it up over no. the course of the year. Like even last week, people would have gotten excited seeing the the final line for Julio Jones. Like, no, 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 Muhammad Sanu yeah, <laughs> chucked one of those, right? So, you know, reality checks along the way that even though things look like they've settled in a little bit, still a lot of uncertainty uh, in terms of the efficiency of that offense going forward. Coming off of that MVP season, it's really hard to disagree and, and to argue against an MVP in the National Football League. When you look at who have who have won most valuable player awards, I mean, we're talking about the the best of the best in the NFL. Rarely do you get a fluke. It, it just it doesn't happen. But you've got Matt Ryan coming off of 
that magnificent season last year with the Falcons. Obviously, we know what happened in the Super Bowl. They were a team that made it to the Super Bowl and had a very good chance of winning that game. But I think that there were still questions about Matt Ryan. There were questions about how the offense was going to be run without Kyle Shanahan there. Now with Steve Sarkeesian coming in, there is questions. There, you know what was was talked about in the first half of the season about the Falcons was how they would come out of halftime and how they just wouldn't be a good second half team and how maybe a lot of teams could adjust to what Steve Sarkeesian was doing. Remember, this is a Falcons team that blew a seventeen nothing lead at home to the Dolphins and lost a game. Right. So, so that's it's it's one of the reasons why I've yet to be completely sold on what the Falcons have been doing. The win against Seattle, I think a lot of it was set up with field position. It they win a game thirty four thirty one, which you would think was a, was a shootout, but there were a lot of opportunities where where Atlanta was able to take advantage of of really good field position, so you weren't driving seventy to eighty yards against that Seahawks defense. And then you go to the Cowboys game. What it's their first game without Ezekiel Elliott? They didn't have Tyron Smith that game. You didn't know how they would respond. So I'm still not sold on what Atlanta is doing today. Could go a long way in selling me on the Falcons as a legit playoff team. Well, it's fun because we started the show talking about the college football playoffs and what makes a resume. Yeah. And we do the same thing as we look at the NFL teams going, well, who have they beaten? Or here's what happened when they played this team. Because, I mean, again, you go back to that Dallas game, man, Claiborne earned 750 grand for going (laughs) off for six sacks, you know, getting to a season total of eight. So, I mean, there's always that one piece to the puzzle. Like when you go back week to week going, all right, what, how did this game play? What set it, you know, what set it off? One play, two play, you know, so you're trying to break it down. It's just funny as we get to week 13 for fantasy purposes, it's maddening because you see those one big plays or that player that you keep waiting to wake up. It's been asleep all. It's like I can't bench that guy. Yeah, but maybe I have to. <laughs> the the Falcons. If the, this is the start of their let's prove it stretch, because you've got the Vikings this week. You got the Saints after that. You got the Saints at two more times this season. You also have another matchup against Carolina later on in the season. Something to watch with the Falcons. Fox Football Fantasy is brought to you by Geico. What does it mean when Geico says just fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance? means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. That is Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Bayer. Reach us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Bayer on Fox, and you can get Mike at Swollen Dome for any of your fantasy needs. It may look like the worst game on the schedule, but believe it or not, it has huge playoff implications. We reveal that showdown to you coming up next. But first, Isaac Lowenfron has the latest on some quarterbacking and possibly head coaching news in the National Football League. You got it. Good morning, Dan and Mike. A crazy day already. Adam Schefter reporting this morning that the Packers are targeting Week 15's game at Carolina for the return of quarterback Aaron Rodgers, contingent on the Packers being in playoff contention at the time and Rodgers receiving medical clearance. Schefter and Chris Mortensen also just reporting that the New York Giants could fire head coach Ben McAdoo in the 24 hours after today's game against the Raiders, and that owner John Mara felt this week's Eli Manning fiasco highlighted his belief that McAdoo has lacked communication skills. College football Saturday night, number eight, Ohio State defeating fourth-ranked Wisconsin 27-21 in the Big Ten Championship game, while number one Clemson routed seventh-ranked Miami 38-3 in the ACC title game. The latest, presented by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And finally, 
the former home of the Detroit Lions, the Pontiac Silverdome, uh, yes. was scheduled to be imploded this morning. They detonated the explosives, and I kid you not, they did not work. Yes, all right. The Silverdome lives. The, the Silverdome lives. You, you can't build buildings like that anymore. I mean, come on. That's a monument to great craftsmanship. <laughs> the home of Super Bowl 16 and, more importantly, WrestleMania 3. Still standing, here is the actual play-by-play of the oh, failed right. implosion How about that? from John Hewitt on radio station WWJ. Yet at this point, but they just went around and you can feel the concussions of them as smoke begins to rise. But there is no collapse of this band at this point in time. So we're waiting to see if that happens. So waiting to see if that happens. <laughs> and is someone you... going to go up and hit it with a little hammer, a little ball peen <laughs> hammer, see if it falls? I mean, come on. And uh, it undoubtedly has inspired multiple clever lines on Twitter. My personal favorite quote. Was the demolition crew hired by Matt Millen? Oh, oh very good, that's very a good. good. One. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's I. I will say this: Pontiac Silverdome in my rankings of domes that I wish were still standing, top three for sure. That that is <laughs> King Dome and Hoosier Dome would probably be in that top three as well. Just passing that. Now, that is a slideshow you need to put together on a blog game. (laughs) Stadium enthusiasts all come together. We've we've talked about this on the show. The reason I love this Pontiac Silverdome was it looked like half the lights were out in the building whenever the Lions played. We've talked about the Metrodome. I've said it looked like they had brown or yellowish lights playing in the Metrodome during a lot of the years that you would get of Vikings games. Yes. What a hole that was. I got to go to a couple of games there, baseball and football, and you you spend most of your time looking around going, how did they design this? (laughs) Why did they design this? All your ears popping going into the dome. Oh, yes, one of the uh, greats. Thanks, Isaac. We appreciate that. Of course, the uh, Pontiac Silverdome, it's maybe fitting because the Lions-Ravens game may seem like one that you want to stay away from in terms of your viewing options today. But these are two 6-5 and five teams that have wild-card hopes, and in fact, the Ravens would be in the playoffs if the postseason started today. They would be the sixth seed. The Lions would be on the outside looking into the NFC, but would be just a game back of the Atlanta Falcons. And when you see what has gone on so far in the, in the National Football League this season, while the Falcons would have a win over the Lions, there's still something to play for, at least for Detroit. They split with Minnesota, would have a couple of games back in the division. It could be too difficult to track Minnesota down. But you've got two six and five teams, Mike, that haven't impressed a lot of people, but this game still could mean a lot as it comes to the postseason. So I think this will be fascinating to watch. Stafford versus Flacco. You've got the receiving core for Detroit. Golden Tate's been slowed the last couple of weeks. Marvin Jones, even in a couple of difficult spots, uh, has surprised. I know it's been uneven of late, but when when you look at that, Jones is still a, a back-end two this week. Tate goes to a low-end three, and that's it. I mean, I can't trust the running back, I guess, by volume. You still go to Abdullah, but when we go to the other side, Alex Collins is really the only sure start Mm-hmm. In this whole thing, when you look at what he's been able to produce week in, week out in terms of volume and, and his production, and you look at my um, Detroit, 
fourth most fantasy points allowed over the last month to opposing running backs. Like I'll look for the dam to break there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it, it's wishing and wanting and hoping. I mean, it's a field goal kicking contest, at least on paper. Amir Abdullah, questionable for this game. There is a report that he's not likely to go, so you could see a little bit more theoretic. But against that Ravens defense, it's going to be a tough task, a defense with three shutouts this season. Baltimore dinged up on defense as well, but they should be at least healthy enough to get after a Lions team and a Matthew Stafford, who, by the way, has his seventh straight 3,000-yard passing season. How bad have things been for the Lions at the quarterback position in their history? The seven 3,000-yard seasons by Matthew Stafford match all of the 3,000-yard seasons by other quarterbacks combined in Lions history. Wow. So yeah, so throw, throw Gary Danielson, Scott Mitchell, Eric Kramer, all Rodney Pete, all of the old Charlie Batch, all of the old Lions quarterbacks, Throw them in there. They combined for seven 3,000-yard seasons. Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford, has seven by himself. There you there's, go. Yeah, there's some li- – There's some. I'll tell you, when you say those Lions names, history. you go back to thinking about the Pontiac Silverdome. You could even go Brett Perriman and Herman Moore and, of course, Barry Sanders. It but is- can you hear Herman Moore's name and say it without hearing Pat Summerall? <laughs> Herman Moore. Just the way he would say it. He really oh, punctuated it. Oh, those, that Lions offense in the early 90s, something to behold. This is Fox Football Fantasy, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We've got a, we touched on Panther Saints a little bit yeah. earlier. Bobby Nachos tweets in. Jonathan Stewart or roll the dice on Josh Gordon today, who is one of the main storylines that we've got for week 13. I think I want to roll the dice. I think I want to go for the downs. If they're going to activate him, guys are starting to not get fully comfortable, but he at least is showing some strides now that they haven't played that stupid yo-yo game the last couple of weeks with him. That running opposite Coleman, You've got an opportunity here for two guys that can stretch the field, and and I think they they leave it on the field today. I think they go to Gordon with some consistency, try to get him comfortable, try to get him involved early, and so I'll take a take a roll of the dice that I get the one big play versus fifteen yard fifteen carries maybe of falling forward. I think one of the better stories that maybe we aren't talking about so much is talk about the Chargers and gaining ground on the Kansas City Chiefs, but it really has been Keenan Allen. This year, and really as of late, and what he has done, considering the injury problems that he has had in his career, of course, what he came back from after tearing his ACL in week one of last year, to see what Keenan Allen has done and to come back and have the success that he's had has been really, really amazing for the for the LA Chargers, and and he seems to be the Keenan Allen of old, the guy that you counted on that could be a top five wide receiver right now in the NFL. Beautiful thing of the resurgence of the offense. We talked about Hunter Henry a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in that Thanksgiving Day game, but you look at Allen over the last two weeks putting up an awful lot of his production because for fantasy owners, he'd become a no-fly zone, uh, having really done much, not much of anything since week three, week four of the year. So suddenly he's creeping up on a 1,000-yard receiving season. Do you think it's the year, like the year removed from it? Like you need like twelve months That's to really say, come right? back, right? You know, like the, for him to get to get acclimated to get back in. I know it'd be it'd be a little bit more, it'd be a, maybe thirteen to fourteen months, but 
you know, I get the feeling that maybe that had something to do with it. But right now, I mean, he's he's been great for keeping fantasy teams alive and, and providing them with at least some hope as we speak. Yeah, I think part of it also just they, they got a little more balanced. And they yeah, play, yeah. and Philip, I, I think, worked. Yeah, you actually call him Philip. I don't know him. Uh, <laughs> Philip Rivers working the ball, I think, a little more effectively, spreading it around, better run game uh, as you had the two-headed monster start to rise up and the defense really playing lights-out football uh, for a good chunk of the season, and now on the roll, maybe charging, no pun intended, into a playoff berth. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. Let's get to another mystery man clue. The first clue was in the final year of his collegiate career, scored 20 touchdowns. What is clue number two for the mystery man? Big play threat, boom or bust talent. 45% of his targets result in completions. All right, there it is. 45% of his targets result in, say that again for me. Result in completions. Okay, there we go. Boom or bust and a guy who caught 20 touchdown passes in the final year of college. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. It is Fox Football Fantasy. It's up to you to try to guess Mike Harmon's mystery man for week 13. You can send in the answers at Swollen Dome or to at Dan Byer on Fox. Coming up next, Alex Smith seems to be the problem in Kansas City. We tell you why he isn't. That here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Football Fantasy here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. Do you got a final mystery man clue before we reveal it here in a couple of minutes? Let's see. Where do I want to go with this? How about the first player in his school's history to record back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons? Okay. All right. Had a final year of his collegiate career, scored 20 touchdowns, and 45% of his targets result in completions, as you said, he's a boomer bust player, but a guy that you got to play this week will reveal it coming up in about five minutes. Chiefs and Jets today. Yeah! <laughs> and the Alex Smith talk just never ends. And whether it be in San Francisco, if that was the groundwork, or what we've had with what he's done in Kansas City through the first five, six weeks of the season, there was maybe Alex Smith MVP talks for how well things have gone. Now, not the case for Kansas City. Six and five, just a game up on the Chargers and Raiders, for that matter, for first place in the AFC West. And there is some talk about Patrick Mahomes possibly getting getting an opportunity for the Chiefs if the Chiefs would want to do any damage in the postseason. That's all outside of the walls in Kansas City that house the Chiefs headquarters. My argument with what we've got with Kansas City, Mike Harmon, is lay off Alex Smith for the simple fact, you have to remember, this is a guy who, over this stretch, has played without Albert Wilson, Chris Conley, Tyreek Hill is a great player that gives you a lot of different things that you can do, but I don't know in the real true sense of a number one receiver that Tyreek Hill is is that guy that you can go to on third and eight, that's more Travis Kelsey. So you've got just those two guys. I don't think that there was a lot around what Alex Smith has had over these last couple of weeks. I think the Wilson injury and the and the Conley injury were big deals for Kansas City. Wilson returning as of late, but these were guys that that you could at least count on as weapons. Now you're you're counting on Demarcus Robinson being a second year wide receiver who was a fourth round pick, by the way, and and now you're hoping for him to to, to fill those shoes. I just don't think that's necessarily fair, and I think without those options that he had at his disposal, the Chiefs have also tried to keep things kind of close to the vest. Yeah, feet to the fire, obviously, with the secondary receivers needing to step up with the 
the injury issues. But Tyreek Hill, uh, a gadget player at times, remember that ridiculous streak to start the year of the 50-yard touchdown uh, ridiculousness mm-hmm. and big play threats. But what's lost in, in a lot of it is how bogged down the run game has been. Kareem Hunt, who not only was dominating on the, on the ground, but also catching passes downfield, not just you know swing passes, but le- running legitimate yeah. wide receiver routes, those big plays haven't been there. Those explosive plays to get the tempo moving and to stretch defenses and, and everything, those, those have slowed up because of the run game's inefficiency of late. Not to mention, ever since Eric Berry got hurt, the secondary has mm-hmm. been very susceptible uh, to the big plays and, and to long, sustained drives. And I think when we look at this game today, that's got to be what the Jets are trying to do. Even though you don't trust any one of those running backs singularly, they've got to just try to keep them on the field because the big play is going to be there. Whether it's Anderson, whether it's Curse, you're going to find a seam. I would imagine that you're trusting Anderson and Curse today in that game. There's no question. Anderson, five straight games with the touchdown, six overall. And you look at the just target and reception count, Josh McCown playing great football. So he's a back-end number one, which is frightening to say in week 13 mm-hmm. here in 2017. But you look at what Anderson's been able to do uh, just this last month plus, Curse with the big plays. We talk about Safarian Jenkins uh, as well. He's left a couple uh, and then he wants to go yeah. meet all the guys that control the replay booth, I think, <laughs> along the way uh, to make sure he gets credit for the proper stats. But um, not often in recent memory have we been able to say, hey, we've got three members, maybe four, of a Jets offense we want as must-start players. The Jets, by the way, if you haven't been paying attention because they haven't been atrocious, they they, they are a team that's actually been okay. They're at 4-7 and seven this season. They have lost games, though, in such Jets fashion. The yeah. Falcons game, they have a muffed punt when they were down two and it allowed the Falcons to, to add some points at the end. Last week against Carolina, they have a first and goal at the one-yard line. Safarian Jenkins has a touchdown called back. They can't cash in, kick a field goal, and the next thing you know, the Panthers are running back Josh McCown fumbles for touchdowns and <laughs> putting the game away. They have been losing in Jets fashion. Chiefs and Jets playing at MetLife Stadium today, kicking off at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Texans and Titans also at 1 o'clock Eastern time in Nashville for the Titans who lead the division. Texans really took it to Tennessee the first time they they met. No more Deshaun Watson obviously from that matchup. No Will Fuller again for the Texans today. Yeah, we look at the Texans offense. It runs with DeAndre Hopkins still going to be a top end number two for you uh, despite the quarterbacking inefficiency. Fedorowicz, interesting maybe if you're in a, a deeper league as a flyer at, at the tight end position, then Lamar Miller as a back-end number two running back. On the Tennessee side of things, you, Rashard Matthews is going to be a game-time decision. You're looking at more of Delaney Walker's the only trusted targets, five straight mm-hmm. games of at least 60 receiving yards. And the run game, just I can't trust DeMarco Murray. Yeah, good, I... good touch count, but he can't fall forward. You know, people say, oh, he got the touchdown. I'm not banking on a, a point-blank range opportunity again. I just can't. But Mariota, despite not knowing exactly who he's throwing the ball to, it's just such a plus matchup the way the Houston secondary's played. If you have a daily league, you're going to get him on the cheap. I think that's where he gets in. Can you reveal the mystery man of Week 13, the guy that you got to get in your lineup? Let's get in Corey Coleman. Ah, Cleveland Browns. How about, How about a that? Cleveland Browns wide receiver? 
Just madness, right? He alongside Josh Gordon. That's your mystery man for week 13. Now just a couple of hours away from the college football playoff announcement when we find out who the field of four will be in the CFP. Sugar Bowl and Rose Bowl getting the semifinals with the championship game taking place in Atlanta, Georgia. Yesterday in Atlanta, the Georgia Bulldogs rolled over the Auburn Tigers to likely secure one of the four spots. Last night in Indianapolis, the Ohio State Buckeyes beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, taking the Badgers out of the picture. But was it enough to put Ohio State in over Alabama? It's one of the topics that we are talking about as we are also looking ahead to Week 13 in the National Football League as we have 15 games ahead of us in trying to help you achieve fantasy success. The dilemma with Alabama and Ohio State is one that just goes back and forth, and we've seen a lot of different points. I felt, and we both said this, that when the pairings are released, we both expect to see Alabama. Right. And I look at it for the simple reason of, I think the committee will say, we are going to get less flack and there will be less chaos if Alabama ends up getting in. I think there's going to be a lot more questions raised about what the committee does if Ohio State gets put in over Alabama. But that doesn't mean that Alabama comes in without question. And what I am curious to see is if Ohio State does get in over Alabama, is this a shot at the SEC as a whole for a conference that continues to only play eight conference games? Is this a shot at the SEC that has many of its institutions continually playing FCS opponents and doing so later on in the season? The SEC, how they schedule is is different than other leagues. When you look at what Ohio State went through at the end of the year after that loss to uh, the the loss to Iowa, they had Michigan State, they had Michigan, they played obviously Wisconsin in the um, the Big Ten title game, but you had that sort of stretch along the way when Alabama all of a sudden seems to have an off week before the Iron Bowl when they take on Mercer, and that and that's that isn't uncommon with how Alabama schedules. So it's just if if Ohio State gets in, maybe it's college football saying to the SEC. Go to nine conference games. Play more than Tennessee and Vanderbilt from the other division in your league, and then maybe we'll see more. That's what I think the message that could be sent if Ohio State gets in. Yeah, it would be nice if there was a a more defined set of parameters. What are we looking at? It's the point of emphasis, right? The game that we play with officials in college football or in the NFL. It's like, here's the three rules we're really going to hunker down on. For this year, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I'd I'd love for them to just point us in that direction. Like, yeah, is the conference championship the big chip that you need to have? Is that is that where you're going? Is it the quality wins? Right, how many top twenty five wins? Is it you know do you have a bad loss from an, from an unranked team and and go on down the line? What is that that singular piece that's tipping the scales? Because right now we we don't know what that is. And it seems to be a, a bit nebulous. It adds to the argument, right? Because we're all talking about it. We're all getting getting up in arms, and then you've got a small crowd screaming from the back corner, going, "What about USC?" You know, just to yeah, try to no, raise, raise that up, yes, right? I mean, yes. you know, they had some analyst. I think it was five thirty-eight uh, had the twenty-two percent or something yeah. before yesterday's games uh, of USC after beating Stanford. Look, if you play your conference title game in, in a major college football conference on a Friday night, you're eliminated. <laughs> Come on. 
It's not you're, fair. You're done. It's if not you, fair. The the whole playing Mercer thing and, and that the way that's scheduled, I I, th- I think that's a valid piece to this equation that isn't being brought up, right? It's like here's your scrimmage game, you know, basically sure. making sure you get your reps in before a big game is absolutely asinine, right? Those should be mandated that they've got to be played before you begin any type of conference play. I've always said that September, over these last couple of years, we found out that the commi- with the committee that September doesn't matter necessarily. In Ohio State's case, it seems to be the case because when we talk about the Buckeyes' resume, we talk about the two losses and then you talk about the loss to, to Iowa. But the loss to Oklahoma is not brought up because it, you're saying, hey, look, Oklahoma and Ohio State both scheduled each other in a home-and-home home years back. They end up playing each other when they're top five teams, or at least in that neighborhood. So you're at least giving them credit for that victory, or, or, or just, excuse me, for playing for that playing game. game. Yes. Sure. But the fact is, is if you're looking at it and you saw how Oklahoma really dominated that game against Ohio State... You would have a question if if Oklahoma is the third best team. Are you saying that that is the gap? Because that's really something that we have tangible that we can point to, that Oklahoma played Ohio State and this was the gap. But I understand matchups and all of that, but if Oklahoma comes in as the number 3 seed, that would be the gap you would have between 3 and 4. And I do think that the committee is going to try to avoid any possible rematches that we could get in the season, which is another reason why I think Alabama gets in over Ohio State because you could possibly have an Oklahoma-Ohio State rematch. Wouldn't be in the semifinals, but you could possibly get that in the national championship. Keep it nice and clean. Keep the discussions going, and and we get to play more of the what-ifs versus doing recaps of what's already been played. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Jumping back into the National Football League, let's get to the hot plays and cold sores of Week 13 of the National Football League. I'm telling you, you have got to hear the cold sores, which are coming up in about three minutes, because there are some very familiar names that you just may be thinking are automatic plays this week, but not so much in Week 13. But let's first get to the hot plays from Mike Harmon. Oh, we're going big game hunting, Dan All right. in, in a little bit here in the cold source. Uh, on the hot plays, we're bringing you guys from the depths. How about Sterling Shepard? Seemingly passed the migraines last week, 142 yards on 11 catches against the 49ers week before. Five catches, 70 yards on nine targets. I know it's Geno Smith. The Raiders stink. <laughs> Defensively, they're awful. And Gino gets extra shots there because they have stone hands, which means there are no interceptions to end end possessions. <laughs> See, you can't even, I can't even get you to keep a straight face on that one, Dan. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. Three touchdowns his last two weeks in games against Jacksonville and Houston. Blaine Gabbert trusting him more and more. The target count really starting to rise for him alongside Larry Fitzgerald, one of the most trusted options they have there. Adrian Peterson not expected to go, so perhaps the short passing game is where they're going to need plays. Robbie Anderson of the New York Football Jets against Kansas City. Touchdowns in five straight. Let's go for six. Uh, running past Darrell Revis or whomever Kansas City decides to run out there. You're looking at 33 targets over his last five games. Josh McCown having a, a nice 
renaissance here in a year that was supposed to be a train wreck for the Jets. Now they just have to go back and look at what could have been had they taken care of business late. Kenyon Drake against Denver. Damian Williams is hurt. Denver's second most fantasy points per game allowed over the last four weeks. Injuries on the defensive front. Pecco and Wolf are out. So an opportunity here. Yes, you're looking for that big jailbreak play to make it run, but the Denver defense not quite as stout as we've seen in the past. How about D.D. Westbrook? Back-to-back weeks with huge target counts. Looking at 16 over the last two weeks. The yardage isn't there. The reception's so far meager. Only eight yards a catch. Um, but but opportunities is all I can hope for uh, here against the Indianapolis Colts. Cordero Patterson becomes one of those deep flyer plays uh, for the Oakland Raiders here as we're trying to find somebody to catch the ball and make a play for Derek Carr going up against the Giants. No Crabtree, no Amari Cooper ruled out as well. So you've got Jared Cook, who's a rock-solid top-five play this week. No question about that. Uh, but Patterson potentially for the big hit as well. Looking at Jamal Williams against the Buccaneers. Three straight games with at least 21 touches for him. Tampa Bay allowing the 12th most fantasy points per game over the last Four weeks. Let's go quickly into just name games. Martavis Bryant against Cincinnati. Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown banged up. So Bryant looking at 15 targets over the last three weeks. Marcus Mariota against Houston. I know his stats leave you uh, wanting two multi-touchdowns the last six, but Houston, top 10 performances allowed to opposing quarterbacks for the last five. Jacquez Rogers. Martin out with the concussion. Opportunity here. Uh, to maybe get a lion's care share of the uh, workload against the Packers. We will see some of uh, Charles Sims and Barber as well. Green Bay Packers, one of three teams in the National Football League with three running backs who have run for 200-plus yards this season. Now it seems like Jamal Williams is the guy in Green Bay. Aaron Jones returning. You mentioned Ty Montgomery and his uh, IR list. Three-headed monster in Green Bay in that backfield with uh, with Brett Hundley as the Bucks and Packers play. What used to be a divisional showdown is no longer. That's All right. too bad. Yeah, the, All those years ago. The Bay of Pigs, is, as they call it, as Chris Berman used to call it. Oh, yes, those those were the days of the <laughs> NFC <laughs> NFC Central. Let's get to these cold, play, cold sores of Week 13 in the National Football League. Second straight week I've done the cold plays. The guys that you want to stay (laughs) (laughs) the second straight week. I never ends. Let's get to the guys you want to stay away from. The cold sores you don't want to look at. You don't want to touch. Talk about big game hunting. You do so here with the cold sores. All right, Matthew Stafford going up against Baltimore. You're looking at only one of eleven starters against the Ravens have finished in the top half of fantasy quarterback Mm. performance. That's right. That's one guy finished sixteenth or better. So, the Ravens taking care of business. Six interceptions against two touchdowns the last four weeks. Fewer than eight fantasy points per game allowed to opposing quarterbacks. T.Y. Hilton, remember when he showed up against Houston, 175-2? and Yeah, yeah. We had him. We had him on the right side of the ledger that week. Uh, He's been awful uh, ever since. You look at the last two weeks, four catches on nine targets, 38 uh, yards total against... Yeah, that's not good for anybody. And in the first matchup against Jacksonville, only 27 yards. You want me to keep going? Uh, they've only given up 11.3 fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers over the last four weeks. That's not one guy. Mm. That's entire wide receiving core. 
<laughs> of opponents. My Der- goodness. Derek Carr against the Giants. <laughs> He's 14th or worse, 7th of his last eight, as we told you. Two top options are out. Uh, I'm out as well. Uh, Drew Brees. Yeah, the yardage is there, but only two multi-touchdown games over his last six weeks. Red zone opportunities to Kamara and to Mark Ingram. Ben Roethlisberger against Cincinnati. Lifetime against the Bengals. 27 career starts. 236 yards per game, barely above a touchdown with an interception on average. And even though he's been on fire, top five performer over the last four weeks, middle of the pack expectations here. Jordy Nelson, obligatory. I got to, you know, take that one while it goes six straight without a touchdown catch. Maybe he joins Des Bryant because he had five in a row before he scored the other night and came out of mothballs, but not anticipating it here. Matt Ryan against the Vikings. They've only allowed two quarterbacks to finish inside the top 12 even though he's been on fire we sit him down and then really quickly a couple of big running backs to sit DeMarco Murray over the last two games 28 touches 89 yards 70 of those came via reception Mm. he's barely Mm. falling forward uh, as we look at uh, the run game there for Tennessee Jay Ajayi you dropped him outright five carries 26 yards against the Bears fewer than 15 carries four straight Unless you're getting the big play, the big run, it's just not happening. It's bad enough to be at a timeshare with one other player. To be in with three guys is just absolutely... Jay Ajayi had a couple of big runs that saved his stat line. Right. If you want to say, you just can't count on those week in and week out. And I think that's uh, that's a reason why you got to move on from Jay Ajayi. One touchdown all year long. And then Devontae Freeman's coming back, but going up against Minnesota to go back into that matchup. You're still going to see a lot of Tevin Coleman uh, as Freeman comes out of the concussion protocol. But Minnesota giving up fewer than 3.5 yards per carry. Tough sledding for him in a workload split means a no-go for fantasy purposes. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Football Fantasy. The Jimmy Garoppolo era begins for the 49ers today. Is that bad news for the NFL or bad news for San Francisco? We tell you next here on Fox Football Fantasy. Fox Football Fantasy. Who's going to the beach in early December? What I am what, ready. What is going on? I took a Listen, nice who? ride on my bike down by the beach yesterday. The waves were crashing. People were out uh, playing volleyball. Being Listen, crazy. I know it's going to be 43 in Green Bay today, but nobody's going to Bay Beach in Green Bay on December 3rd. It's not going to happen. Bay Beach is this amusement park sort of thing in Green Bay. I've been 30 plus years, but... Road trip, damn buyer. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Nobody's going in early December, even though Mother Nature seems to be having an extended Thanksgiving break. At some point, she will you know, she she will show up and wreak havoc on the NFL. It's just not happening this weekend where weather doesn't seem to be an issue. And that includes in Mike Harmon's hometown of Chicago. It is the Bears and 49ers playing today. Partly cloudy skies with a game time temp about 46 degrees. Not too bad for Jimmy Garoppolo to make his first career start as a member of the San Francisco 49ers. And in my favorite stat, in 96 pass attempts for Garoppolo in his career, zero interceptions. Is this the start of something that we could see for a long, long time for the San Francisco 49ers as Jimmy Garoppolo makes his debut today? I would say it would be the first in a series of steps that need to happen for the 49ers, obviously uh, devoid of discernible talent uh, at the wide receiving position. I mean, I I like Marquise Goodwin, but he's Mm -hmm. a number three guy playing as a number one right now. You're looking at Selleck is their tight end, so he's 
he's interesting as a desperation play, maybe roll the dice in your daily fantasy league or the one week against your buddies. But it's going to be an awful lot of Carlos Hyde would be uh, my estimation for Garoppolo. Bethard getting hurt puts him in to the lineup, but I think they would have been all too happy to not play him at all. I mean, just to have him sit, collect a check, and and wait. I mean, we were talking to Jay Glazer earlier this week. His line was, well, they think Kyle Shanahan says it takes up to two years to learn his system and his playbook. Like, ponder that for a minute. You get two years. He's been there a month. Yeah. All right, get in there. Hey, our line's not very good, but just two-step it to Carlos Hyde and occasionally wing it downfield and and hope that something good happens. Good Bears defensive front, they've limited opposing quarterbacks. You've only got three guys that have finished better than a top-16 play for fantasy purposes. Garoppolo's a no-go, but I know I, I, I have a lot of friends back home who are swooning that the the fair-haired boy is going to be under center for the 49ers. I will say this. I felt bad for C.J. Beathard because they they had to put him back together before taking him off the field over the last couple of weeks because he was just beaten up. Yet it was the greatest loss in 49ers history last week because Garoppolo comes in, completes two passes, including a touchdown. As time expired, they still lose to, to the Seahawks in a game that where the touchdown didn't matter. But wow, the, the, the hype train started with Garoppolo and just what he did in those couple of plays. But all the teammates that were ticked off at the fans... Like, they're not paying attention to the guy that's hurt anymore. Yeah. This was not an, I, hey, get, he's a bum! You know, and they're cheering that Beathard's hurt. It's Garoppolo's coming in. They've been sold a bill of goods on him of, yeah. of hey, this guy's going to be the next leader, the next guy to take you back to prominence. There's a lot that has to happen, but you've got the pieces in place, you think, in terms of your front office with John Lynch. You've got... Your, your head coach that you hope is going to grow and, and be a dominant force there for a long while, and then you bring in Garoppolo, that at least at the moment you've got some bit of stability. And so that fact that he was seeing the field I think was a surprise mm-hmm. and, a, and a pleasant surprise to those that wanted to see exactly what they'd acquired. Again, it goes goes to my point of if it's a rookie quarterback I want to see, I want to see him on the field. I want to see him with the deer in the headlights look so I know whether he can take the pressure that's going to come when your team may not be the best. But when you got a guy like this where you're thinking he may be your 10-year franchise guy and not just a placeholder, I'd rather have it send him out there with a full arsenal and full complement of players so I actually know what, what to expect versus you know just checking a couple of those boxes of his moxie. 49ers looking towards the future, as are the Chicago Bears, because they just completed their second straight November without a win. Oh, I thought you were going to say second pass. No. no. Ah. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Let's say, instead of looking forward, let's take a look back and listen to how Mike Harmon was on the money in Week 12 with Harmon's greatest hits. Let's go with a couple of price shots from the quarterback position first. Andy Dalton going up against the Cleveland Browns for multiple touchdown games his last five. Andy fakes a handoff. Yeah. Over the middle. Yeah. Touchdown to Tyler Boyd, who spikes.
Takes it in the back of the end zone. Cincinnati scores on an eight-yard touchdown pass. Seven Coleman, another big workload expected going up against Tampa Bay. They're a middling defense against the run. 17 fantasy points per game over the last four. You're looking at back-to-back 20 carry games. If we're going to get that kind of workload, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. Matt will hand to Tevin. Trying to skip to the outside. 10-5. Touchdown, Tevin Coleman. Once he did the little dip and dart to the right, he moved it up the gearbox pretty quick. For Julio Jones, the yardage is there, but the final big punctuation mark for you has it. Perhaps this is a week against the Tampa defense. Matt going to throw. Jones is there. It's caught. Julio stays in. Hit the pylon. Touchdown, Atlanta. Jones, with tremendous athleticism, squeezes it, lays out. The big fella from Foley shoves it in the end zone. Some of the best from Mike Harmon from Week 12. The Andy Dalton hit. Uh, he nailed uh, right on the head. Bengals have the Steelers coming up on Monday night, but kudos on the one in the striped helmet. You know, I appreciate that. I, I was caught up in the tone and tenor of my Julio Jones discussion. Like, I was saddened that I was discussing Julio Jones in such light. Well, I, I'll say this. I was thinking to myself, when is Julio Jones going to finally break out? It seemed that he was uh, allergic to the end zone yeah. at, at times, and then it ends up uh, in a week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a matchup that you liked, and he came through very in a, in a big way for you last week. Yeah, so we, we saw the receivers there. Mohamed Sanu, another guy we're looking to get back into the good graces this week. You know, for that Monday Night Football game for Andy Dalton for this week, He's a guy that I'd just sit on the sidelines, grab some popcorn. You might get a couple of those big chunk plays that the Steelers have been giving up. Certainly with A.J. Green, we, we think we might have an opportunity there. So for a daily league, potential excitement. On a straight fantasy league, both he and Roethlisberger finishes QB2. And there's an issue with Antonio Brown and his toe questionable. Limited of practice yesterday, or held out of practice, excuse me, yesterday for that Monday night game. You may want to make some uh, alternative plans if Antonio Brown is on your lineup just in case you are covered for Monday Night Football. Get get back to the waiver wire. Maybe Martavis Bryant hasn't been picked up yet because those explosive plays haven't been there. But Brandon LaFell, going back to, again, trusting Andy Dalton, but at least from a target perspective, has been more active for the Bengals. And quickly, speaking of uh, back and return, Trevor Simeon back yeah. in the saddle for the Denver Broncos. Go Cats! Taking on the Yay. Dolphins today. It's great because I do remember a week ago as we were looking at the Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon conundrum, and and I've and I've said this and and we've talked about this. I do feel that Trevor Simeon throws the football better than the other two guys on the roster. Yes, it's just where it goes sometimes is the is the biggest question. But I think you saw last week for an offense that couldn't get going, all of a sudden Trevor Simeon comes in, and even though it's in a loss, at least the air attack of Denver seemed to be a little bit more potent than it was with Osweiler there or with Paxton Lynch. Good opportunity here against Miami last four weeks. They've given up 22 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks, 11 touchdowns against two picks. thing with Simeon is there's a couple, couple moments in every game, and since it is Sunday, and I know people are going to or from or maybe sitting in services that I can't say the what the finish the sure. exclamation. Sure, we know where you're going. But the, the idea is that, you know, the, the not – is always, hey, he's a smart quarterback. He's got that tag like Ryan Fitzpatrick, right, based on where he goes yes. to school. And then you have two or three errant passes that are seemingly to nobody in particular that leave you scratching your head going, all right, where's that 
You want to know what he saw. Like, this is where you want that camera squarely in the middle of his helmet, like all those quarterback quarterback competition things where they'd have him on the baseball caps and whatever. Like, that's what I want from Simeon of, what did I see right here that led me to throw the ball in that direction? Either way, both Thomas and Sanders are plays this week. Damian Williams out for Miami. Kenyon Drake getting the start in the backfield. Akib Tlaib, of course, suspended for his uh, brouhaha with Akib Tlaib. Or, excuse me, with Michael Crabtree. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Football Fantasy. You can always reach us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox, and you can get Mike over at Swollen Dome. One of the best teams in the National Football League has to be aware of being caught in a letdown game. Yes, be aware of the letdown game. We'll tell you who that team is next. But first, Isaac Lohenkron fills us in on what we could see or maybe won't see with the New York Giants and a whole lot more. Morning, Isaac. Yeah, morning, Dan. Morning, Michael. Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen reporting this morning that the New York Giants could fire second-year head coach Ben McAdoo in the 24 hours after today's game against the Raiders. Get this, the Giants franchise has had just one head coach coach since 1931 last two seasons or less that would be ray handley in 1991 and 1992 Schefter additionally reporting that the packers are targeting week 15's game at carolina for the return of quarterback aaron Rodgers, contingent on the packers being in playoff contention and Rodgers getting medical clearance college football saturday night number eight ohio state defeated fourth ranked wisconsin 27 to 21 of the big 10 championship game while number one clemson routed seventh ranked miami Miami 38-3 in the ACC title game. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And finally... The former home of the Detroit Lions, the Pontiac Silverdome, was supposed to be imploded this morning, but the detonation did not work. Here, in case you missed it from earlier, the actual play-by-play of the implosion fail from John Hewitt on radio station WWJ. yet at this point, but they just went around and you can feel the concussions of them as smoke begins to rise, but there is no collapse of this band at this point in time. <laughs> so we're waiting to see if that happens. As Wikipedia said, it will not die. <laughs> it will not die. At the very latest, the crowd that gathered to watch the implosion has been sent home by the demolition crew. An official said the reason for the implosion failed the stadium, quote, built too well. Unquote. Again, a reference. Oh, yes. See, I told you. A reference to the stadium, not the Lions teams that I was going to say. There. I thought that was actually audio from the Giants front office that you had. <laughs> which That's- was which was better though, <laughs> this or the Georgia Dome when the bus rolled in front for the Weather Channel? Uh, I like I like this because you see the you see the explosive, you see the 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 clouds of smoke. And then the building still stands. It's like just taking lefts and rights, shots to the body, to the head, but he will not go down. And that is the Pontiac Silverdome. Lions, by the way, are in Baltimore today taking on the Ravens. They aren't the – thanks, Isaac, for, for the latest of getting us caught up of what's happening in the NFL. The Lions aren't in our letdown game of the day. I'm just going to say this, Mike Harmon. I know Adrian Peterson may not play for the Arizona Cardinals. And Blaine Gabbard is going to start at quarterback for Arizona. This game for the Rams today seems like a prime spot for a letdown game. 
coming off of the huge win that the Rams had a week ago against the Saints. Next weekend, you're taking on the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Sandwiched in between is today's game against the Arizona Cardinals in Phoenix, or excuse me, in Glendale, and it is against a team that you blew out in London earlier this season. And while they may not have their starting quarterback that they had in that game, Carson Palmer, who was injured, you may not have Adrian Peterson. I just think when you look at letdown games, I wouldn't blame the Rams for having it today. It just, everything sets up for that opportunity. They still may be able to leave with the win, but I just see letdown on this game because of what the Rams have behind them and what they have ahead of them. Being a bit uh, of a, a dicey play for Sammy Watkins going up against Patrick Peterson, so we look more for Cooper Cup working out of the slot here for Jared Goff. You'd certainly have the advantage in the run game, so it, it still smacks of a win. They're a full touchdown favorite in this one, but Gabbert's acquitted himself well. Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that at this point in his career, it's what I always hope for for guys that realize they're not the long-term solution for any team, is that to just say, all right, I'm going out and I'm winging it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take my shots on, even if the the window's a little more narrow, that we're going to try to make some plays. And that's what he's been doing. The run game for Arizona certainly a mess. you got cracked ribs. you got the Adrian Peterson neck injury. So uh, Bruce Arians joking, I don't know what's going on in that backfield. So uh, you're, you're looking for a little bit of of help, but Seals Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, they can still make plays downfield. I think this could be interesting. The week after that, the or the week after week fourteen, this matchup with the Eagles, the Rams take on the Seahawks. So you've got you've got all of these ahead, and you had what you had behind you. Heck, you had game against the Vikings, game against the Saints. Now you got this one just sandwiched in there, a road trip division game where there was a blowout earlier in the year. And just say, just be cautious with the Rams today. Could be one of those hiccups. Well, we'll see if we have that roller coaster effect, right? The loss to the Vikings high of last week. We'll see Mm -hmm. if we get back down into a dip as we continue to talk with you. Fox Football Fantasy brought to you by Geico. What's it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? Means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Oh, I know the great state of Alabama wants to know what's going to happen in less than two hours is the college football playoff field will be revealed but ba has also got other duties on his mind including who the heck he should play in week 13 morning ba good morning my brothers how are you what's up brother what's happening (laughs) it's always a good day when the tigers go down brother always (laughs) well there you have it hey but i'll tell you i mean honestly uh i don't i don't think they're going to put alabama in because they can't have all the southern teams. I mean, money talks. And if they don't have any northern teams, they're going to put Ohio State in there. And, and and to add to that, I don't think Alabama could beat Clemson or Oklahoma. So I just assume go to bowl game, go 12-1, and one, and, you know, be happy. Ah, it's an interesting take from a yeah. Clemson Tide fan. How about that? He just wants to yeah. be happy. I like that. There's <laughs> yeah. your summary worry, statement, brother. I love it. All right. Um, this is the last week before the playoffs. I'm in, so I'm just kind of trying to figure out what position – uh, what uh, seed I'm gonna end up on? Uh, our first two goodbyes, and I'm not. I can't get either one of those, so I'm gonna play. Have to play somebody next week. All I got right. seven players. I'm sorry, I got seven. I need you to, to rank for me, please. Let's get it. All right, well, cigarette blunt. Yep. Dion, what you talking about, Lewis? Uh, Duke of Earl Johnson Jr., Derek Henry, roll tide. Uh, Marvin Velvet Jones. Martavis or Martavis Bear Bryant, 
and Christian <laughs> Soldier McCaffrey since I, I heard he's going to play. Just going to rank those for me. And uh, happy birthday, Ozzy Osbourne is 69. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Love you. Roll out, America. That's the ultimate sin. Hey, let's go on through. Uh, we've got... Wow, the running backs are tough. Deion Lewis would come in first of those. Marvin Jones is going to be our second man on the list. I think we will take uh, McCaffrey third, Bryant fourth, Blunt fifth. A couple of big runs perhaps, but against Seattle on the road, I'm calling for the Seahawks to win this game outright, and that's going to mean that things bog down for this Philadelphia offense. Uh, And then going down, I can't trust the Tennessee run game. I have to expect eventually Derrick Henry see some success and, and better workloads, but we've had some issues with that backfield. And then Duke Johnson banged up, and we'll be working downfield, I think, more for this Cleveland offense. We didn't go deep with this Eagles-Seahawks game that you've got tonight. Mike Davis going to be active for the Seahawks and likely to be their lead back. But again, with their running backs, you just don't know in Seattle. And Davis did show promise in the, the limited time that he had a couple of weeks ago before injuring a groin in that game against the the Atlanta Falcons. But now you've got a defense in Seattle that still is, is seemed to, to stand up with the, the absences of Richard Sherman and, and Cam Chancer, who both who are done for the season. But a Sunday night football game that you like the Seahawks to win, I would guess offensively being able to get some some work done. Where do you see the Seahawks and Eagles game tonight of matchups? Because there's a lot of normal guys that you would play, but do you see it in this matchup tonight between two top teams? Yeah, I think as we, we look at the quarterbacks, both are going to be top 10 plays. Wentz going to be on the back end of that for me. I know the consensus is still, hey, he's top three, he's Carson Wentz. Doesn't slow down. Not so fast. Still a tough place to play. Still a, a, a enough players of prominence and enough work up front that'll slow down that run game, that four-headed monster that we're seeing and force Wentz into some disadvantageous positions, which means you might have a couple of balls go up for grabs, or if nothing else, you start playing field position. Uh, Tough matchup for Doug Baldwin, but we still get him in as a high-end number two. Jimmy Graham as well. Let's keep it rolling there. Davis, flex play, just based on expected volume, but that one's a little more of of a dicey play because, as we know, uh, you start going into committees and hot hands and all of those fun things that you fear what the results are. Uh, But certainly this one, an over-under sitting at 47.5 tells me that Vegas expects there to be some points scored here, that the defenses that have played so well uh, for good chunks of this season will suddenly find some holes uh, cracked through, and it might just be a turnover that sure. does it. Might be one of those big special teams plays, but certainly here, you know, we'll, we'll start Jeffrey as a, as a number two wide receiver as well, coming off his contract extension. Uh, but this one, I think, plays a, a lot better than perhaps what public perception would be about where the Eagles are right now. I think the fact of the matter as well is when you look at the Eagles, their only loss this year came on the road in Kansas City in week two. Tough place to play in Kansas City. Tonight will be a tough place to play for the Philadelphia Eagles in Seattle against the Seahawks. One other um, game we, we should quickly touch on, Patriots and Bills haven't gone big in this one, but New England we know is rolling. No Chris Hogan still for the Patriots, but the Bills are really dinged up as well. Calvin Benjamin's not going to play. Charles Clay's hurt. Jordan Matthews hurt. I think both expected to play. Can they put up enough points against this New England team? Yeah, I think you're going to see Tyrod Taylor comes in as a top-end number 2 quarterback expecting him to make a couple of plays with his legs. We know New England does a good job of keeping quarterbacks 
uh, in the pocket and forces them to work downfield. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is really the only other offensive player I'm trusting. Clay, maybe if you're desperate at the tight end position because it's not as deep uh, as you would anticipate. Wide receivers are no go. I mean, I'm playing mm-hmm. Zay Jones, and you look at what New England's done to opposing wideouts of late. Uh, conversely, for the Patriots, I think you can reasonably start all three of the running backs, either as number twos wow. or flexes, right? Burkhead, Lewis, but, yeah, and I mean, Burkhead's dangerous just enough. Lewis still looking at a double-digit touch count each week. Uh, and that I think against Buffalo, we're going to see a lot more of that running back and tight end mix of passing downfield, uh, taking the short and intermediate, and then Brandon Cooks for a couple of big hits over the top. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. You know the old adage, bigger is better. That's not necessarily true in the National Football League. We'll tell you why here on Fox Football Fantasy. Fox Football Fantasy. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. You can always reach us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox, and you can get Mike over at Swollen Dome. There is some real question, and that is the quote from Adam Schefter that Antonio Brown will play Monday night against the Cincinnati Bengals. So, as Mike told you, maybe look for a Brandon LaFell or Martavis Bryant if he's available to pick up just in case Antonio Bryant doesn't go tomorrow night. Because remember, Juju Smith-Schuster also coming back off a hamstring injury, expected to be available to the Steelers, but certainly not a guarantee that you're getting great dividends from him. It's time to play here on Fox Sports Radio. You know, they tried to blow up the Pontiac Silverdome. (laughs) <laughs> did not work. Okay, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't tear it down. That leads us to this. Top seven answers on the board as we play the feud today on Fox Football Fantasy. Name the top seven teams or stadiums with the largest capacities in the National Football League. So you don't have to exactly give me the name of the stadium. You could just tell me the team that, that plays their home games there. Looking for the top seven capacity-wise for the NFL Three strikes and a pass available. Let's start with Mike Harmon. Ram it. Let's ram it with the L.A. Coliseum. It's got to be the Rams. Yes, the L.A. Coliseum, your number one answer. 93,607 is the full capacity. Let's go over to Rob Dosmati, our executive producer. Six answers left and a pass is there as well. Let's go with the Cowboys. Oh, the Dallas Cowboys. Heck, they can expand Jerry World to 100,000. How about them Cowboys? Yes, AT&T Stadium listed at 80,000 for NFL games. Sam Kinsley, our technical producer. Hmm. Top seven capacity stadiums in the NFL. How about Flushing Meadows? Flushing Meadows, okay. Home that, of the, uh, wait, is that the old or the new home of the Giants? That's, that's, yeah. that, that, that you're thinking of the Meadowlands, but I get you're saying well, Giants. Isn't yeah. it in Flushing Meadows? No, no, that's by LA, no, that's by JFK and oh. in Queens. That's okay. okay. Meadowlands. That's okay. The Meadowlands of the get- Jets, MetLife Stadium. <laughs> Show me MetLife! Yeah! I was just cheering the. The look on Sam's face. The Sam, Sam's nickname that he uses to check in at hotels is Rand McNally. He is a geography. Oh, Flushing Meadows is a is golf, right? No, it's no. tennis. Tennis. Oh, tennis. Yes, that's okay. Oh, Isaac Lowenkron. We're three for three so far. Top seven sta- stadiums or teams with the largest capacities in the NFL. To clarify, by Flushing Meadows, he meant 
Meadowlands, and yes. Flushing was the Giants' performance on the field. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Snyder World, FedEx Field. Oh, yes, that's a big place that they can't fill. Show me Come FedEx on. Field. Ah, Isaac delivers in the clutch. Four for four, 82,004 FedEx Field. Back over to Mike Carmen. I am going to take a shot uh, at the planet Houston because they like things bigger in Texas. Oh, the Houston Texans in NRG Stadium. Show me Texans. No, didn't crack the top seven. Rob Dosmati, over to you, our executive producer. There is still a pass available. Uh, let's you know, let's go with Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Well, we know we know they had troubles showing up. Maybe How many because, people can go in the pool? Is that what you're thinking? Because it was so big, that's why they needed the tarps. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Is there any Actionville in the stands in Jacksonville? No. All right. Two strikes. Three answers left. One pass still available. Sam Kinsley. All right, let's. Uh, this one might be right on the cusp. Let's try Lambeau Field. Oh, go Pack Packers! Go. Yes, Lambeau yeah. Field is there. It's up to Isaac Lowenkron. We still have Come a on, pass, Isaac. Isaac. Since they renovated, I'm going to guess Arrowhead Stadium. Oh, you know how loud it gets in Kansas City. Show me the Chiefs. <laughs> We still have one answer to go, Sam. We haven't even won the game yet. We have one answer left. He yes. played the winning music. Yes. You yes. know what? We have the pass. You know what? Yes. You know what? <laughs> Harmon's going to play the pass. Yeah. Woo. We won. Hey. Oh, go to Geico.com. It's mile high. <laughs> Woo. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.